Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Practice. Today, we will be speaking with Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, and Dr. Peter Angood, the CEO of the American Association for Physician Leadership. Dr. Angood, I'm interested. The American Association for Physician Leadership has been at the forefront of, of healthcare and health leadership for 45 years. Has the mission of the organization changed at all in the midst of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic? So great question, Mike. Thanks so much. And uh, over the course of 45 years or so, yeah, the mission of the organization has changed quite significantly, uh, not just in the past year or year and a half of the pandemic. We originated staying focused in and upon uh, those physicians who wanted to do primarily administrative work inside of a hospital setting. And that gradually grew to represent a, a niche market of physician executives. Uh, for the last number of years, what we've done actually is recognize that the general public and our societies tend to view the medical profession as a lead profession, a highly trusted, highly valued. And so therefore at some level, all physicians are leaders. And so we're trying to help the physician workforce and the places where they work appreciate that uh, responsibility that physicians have in order to provide leadership, whether they are in formal titled roles or not. So yeah, the mission has changed. Specific to the pandemic, I think what we've really recognized is that uh, most all organizations that have been grappling with how to manage the pandemic uh, have really turned towards the physicians, uh, not just the you know, uh, nationally recognized leaders like Tony Fauci, uh, who carries a very influential role, but inside of institutions, the infectious disease doctors, the crisis management folks, um, specialized teams have gotten together to manage the issues around the ICUs, the emergency departments, et cetera, et cetera. And so administrations in general have really come to appreciate the value of physician leadership. One thing that I think you and I would both agree has not changed over the 45-year history of the organization are certain core characteristics of physician leaders or things that I think you and I would agree physicians uh, need to, to possess to be not only good physicians, but good physician leaders. And you certainly touched upon that in the interview with, with Dr. Fauci. And here I'm thinking specifically about the characteristics of courage and humility, uh, both that were, were brought up and I think uh, well spoken um, about by both you and, and uh, Dr. Dr. Fauci. Maybe you can give me a little bit more of your thoughts on these core competencies of uh, physicians. Yeah, you know, as we've been uh, progressing with the organization overall, we've taken on a much more broad-based approach of uh, focusing on professional development, both for the individual physicians in the workforce, but also to help organizations with the professional development of physicians and their medical staff in a way that can also benefit those organizations. As we've been doing that, yes, education is a critical component credentialing is a critical component, information resources are, are a critical component, 
And as we do all of this, we've put up and, and framed up a competency-based approach. So we have a number of competencies that, that we focus upon. Uh, several of them are kind of more towards the management side and others are very much more oriented towards the leadership side, the human interaction. Management, you know, kind of getting things done leaderships helping influence people to help things get done and having everybody uh, feel like they are contributing to the overall cause and benefit of the organization. For ourselves, at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is create uh, in an altruistic fashion, significant change in healthcare. And we're privileged to have this platform of physician leadership. So yes, developing competencies, framing them up in in terms of education, credentialing, and information is critically important. Courage, yeah, physicians need courage uh, because they are dealing with people's lives all of the time. They are helping organizations change. It's not just their own personal practices, but the organizations that they interface with. And as we said a few moments ago, the general public and these institutions are looking to the physicians for leadership. So it takes courage to um, step up, if you will, uh, when, per, um, when folks come at you in terms of seeking questions answered or seeking influence, seeking strategies, seeking tactics, all those sorts of things. Um, but humility also came in there, which is important. Uh, you know, physicians are brought up to be autonomous minded, independent thinkers, and uh, historically oftentimes have had this sort of command and control approach to their leadership. And yet what we're recognizing is when you take a, a more humble approach in leadership, exhibit some of your own um, uh, humility and some of your own vulnerability, if you will, then that helps others appreciate that the physician as an individual or the physicians as a whole are much more responsive to hearing inputs, to having advice come their way, and then looking how to collaborate and work together as a team in order to make improvements around whatever the situation is. Uh, leadership's tricky. You know, you need courage, you need humility, but there, there are times when you need that command and control too, right? So it's a matter of how do you shift in and around those different competencies. That's why there's a wide variety of competencies that are required. Absolutely. And not only is leadership tricky, but it occurs to me that maybe teaching leadership or helping others with it is also tricky. Can you give us some ways that the AAPL helps its members uh, excel with leadership? No, another great question. And, um, you know, again, I mentioned the, the information resources. Um, physicians as a whole are voracious readers. They suck up information at a tremendous volume. And uh, so the spectrum of our information resources, whether it's our journals, our podcast series like this, whether it's webinars, our books, et cetera, that's a great way for people to accrue a lot of information around leadership. Uh, similarly, um, you know, the educational programs are set up on these competencies. There's, you know, somewhere close to 80 of our different courses that capture all of these different types of competencies in different ways. And then it also helps take you from sort of the novice leader up to a master level in five different career stages that, that we follow. And um, that by being engaged in that fashion, that really helps you progress. 
But equally and perhaps as important as anything is the ability to be a part of a community, to network with others who are kind of in a like-minded way, to mentor from them, to coach with them or to coach others, but it's being a part of that community that really brings it together. So it's that combination of information, education, community that helps folks to really gain some leadership leadership expertise as they take on their day-by-day jobs. Sound Practice is the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders from the American Association for Physician Leadership. I'm your host, Mike Sakopoulos. Today, my guests are Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Peter Angood. Our topic, physician leadership in the time of COVID-19. Dr. Fauci is director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. Dr. Angood has led the AAPL since 2011. Dr. Fauci? Dr. Angud, welcome to Sound Practice. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Thank you, Mike. Well, Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, our association is really about physician leadership. And I take on the personal philosophy that at some level, all physicians are leaders. But we do provide support and solidarity for all these physicians, as well as for the places where they work. And, you know, during this critical time of the pandemic, um, from your perspective, what's kind of the best message we can give these physician leaders at this point to just keep trusting the science, better leverage their influences to help individuals get vaccinated? Or how else can they sort of uh, take that scope of of the profession in your mind? Well, I think you've mentioned three of the important ones right there. Uh, So certainly this is an evolving situation. And what confuses people is that recommendations that come, for example, from the CDC are really based on information as it evolves. And as you get a dynamic epidemic, a pandemic as we have right now, things change just like they changed when we now have a dominant Delta variant is very different from the time when we had the Alpha variant, particularly among vaccinated people. So I would think that physicians um, are people who are steeped in science and truth, and the general public with which the physicians interact much more closely than with public health officials at the national level, often count on their physicians, the people that they trust. You know, we talk about trusted messengers in the community. And whenever we talk about trusted messengers in the community, right at the top of the list, are physicians and healthcare providers who individuals trust so much more than national figures. So it's, I believe, within the purview and the power of physicians to translate the data and the truth to their patients in a way that's understandable and that they could abide by it, particularly the issue of getting vaccinated. I mean, we know right now that we have, fortunately, um, highly effective and safe and available vaccines. Uh, It would be tragic if we continue to have the amount of infection, hospitalizations, and deaths now. Over 625,000 people in America have died from this outbreak, which makes it the worst 
pandemic of a respiratory disease in over 102 years. And yet we uh, have, fortunately, highly effective vaccines that are safe. So we've got to get people vaccinated and people listen more to their physicians than to anyone else. So the message to the physicians who might be listening to us is that you really can help greatly to promote the health, not only of your individual patients, but for the country in general. Absolutely, Ed. You know, healthcare is an inherently complex industry as we, as we know, and yet that patient-physician relationship is the most critical and still that driving force in healthcare in, in so, so many ways. But in terms of, of leadership, um, you know, it takes a lot of courage for these physicians to sort of kind of recognize to some degree they have a, a responsibility of leadership um, in, in any variety of ways. You know, our constituency of this association is international and we have many uh, large scale health system CEOs, number of chief medical officers and a whole variety of other administrative roles. Uh, and yet this is unprecedented times for them. And so they have to be courageous as they try to do, I'm sorry, try to take a stand on mandatory masking, vaccines for all staff, hospital visitors, supply chain issues, and even those complex issues of um, triaging care, end of life care, um, you know, from again, uh, from a leadership perspective, um, what would be some of your guidance for, from, for those physicians who are, again, thrust into these unique roles? Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what I would, you know, I, I would say recommend or advise to physicians is to really try and stay up attuned to the information upon which things are based. For example, mm -hmm. you mentioned the idea about mandates for vaccines and for masks. That's a very sensitive subject because there are yeah. many people in this country who feel that their individual liberties are encroached upon when you mandate anything. But I think, as you say, uh, physicians, and, and you use the word courage, which I think is a very appropriate uh, description of that because what the physicians I would hope would do would analyze the entire situation and realize that we really do need to get to the end game of getting the overwhelming majority of people in this country vaccinated. If we don't, this thing is going to mm -hmm. linger with us literally indefinitely <laughs> because it'll continue yeah. to circulate. It'll continue to mutate. And when it mutates, you'll get new variants. And new variants may actually evade and be elusive to the protection of the vaccines. So that the unvaccinated people who don't like mandates should realize, and with the help and the leadership of the medical community, is that if they don't get vaccinated, they're not only endangering themselves and their family and their community, but they're really providing an opportunity for the virus to continue to evade everything, even the vaccines. So there comes a time when you have to make the difficult decision. And this is where the idea of what you mentioned, uh, Peter, uh, with regard to courage is to step up and say, it's controversial, it is, but mm. our role as physicians and as leaders in the arena of public health 
have really got to stand behind those decisions in which the primary goal is to promote and preserve the public health. So wow. that's what I would recommend to physicians. You have to take sometimes a difficult stand that are going to get people to get upset with you. But, you know, I would rather have an upset, well, alive patient than a patient <laughs> who thinks I'm a great <laughs> guy and winds up getting to the ICU and dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet, so, um, but yeah, I saw one of the factoids on my feeds this morning, uh, just slightly less than 10% of small to intermediate sized businesses are mandating vaccines. So it, it's going to continue to be uh, highly controversial for some time, as you say. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, so Dr. Fauci, in your answer, you alluded to keeping abreast of, of certain types of information as uh, physicians should should do. Can you provide our listeners some resources trusted sources, point them in uh, areas uh, to go look for the ever-evolving epidemiology and, and progress on COVID-19. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, an easily, easily accessible uh, source is the website of the CDC, cdc.gov. Right. It comes up, they have a search engine, you just click in COVID-19 and every aspect of it you can get. On the NIH website, which is where I work as an institute director at NIH, if you're interested in the science aspect of it, which actually most people are not that interested, they wanna know what it applies to them. So the CDC website would probably be the best source of information. What we've done over the last now eight months from the time that President Biden was sworn in was have at least two and sometimes three, but at least two times a week press conferences that are very unlike the press conferences right. from last year. Namely, you have the CDC director give about five minutes or so of update on what's important epidemiologically. She's followed by me who gives about five minutes on what the latest scientific advances in regarding vaccine efficacy, therapy, efficacy, things like that. And then you have the rest of the time where the press answer questions. That whole thing lasts about 40 minutes, a half an hour to 40 minutes. But for those who have the time, you know, it's not a bad idea to just tune in. You know, it's usually covered by CNN and some of the other networks. But the easiest thing to save time rather than listening to a press conference, just go to cdc.gov and just ask the question, when they say Q's and A's, and you'll get the answer to what you want. Yeah, that's that's reassuring. Thank you. And I have popped into a couple of those news conferences, and they are very, very um, informational. And uh, yet, I, I think our constituents still uh, are reassured to hear. Just go to the CDC. Still, that's the that's our main federal um, bureau of authority on this. So, thank you for that and that reassurance. We've been trying to cover a little bit of the pandemic issues, the, the science of it and all that sort of stuff, but also we're curious about your own leadership journey at, at some level. And as, as much as you care to share, as a now globally recognized uh, physician leader, uh, quite influential over the course of your career, what in your opinion, if you care to share, are sort of the two or three um, experiences for you that kind of confirmed your leadership and recognizing for yourself that you could 
create a larger scale of influence uh, based on those experiences. And I asked this type of question because so many of uh, the folks that interface with us are just always fascinated by those stories of uh, how others got to where they got to. Well, thank you for that question, Peter. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of a complicated issue, but I think I could simplify it by some fundamental principles. And if you and I found, particularly when you're in a position like I've been in, where I had the opportunity and the privilege to advise now seven presidents about areas of right. domestic and global health, right from the beginning when I uh, advised President Reagan, when I in the very early years of the HIV AIDS yeah. pandemic, which was a very sensitive and difficult situation, particularly because yeah. the White House at the time did not really feel it important to come out and use the bully pulpit of the White House to get people aware of the danger of this emerging uh, outbreak, particularly at the time among young gay men. Um, I had a principle that I've always had is always, always stick by the data and the evidence and facts and be consistent in what you do. Um, the lesson I think that says it all is when I went in for the first time to walk into the White House, into the West Wing, because President Reagan in the early 1980s asked me to come in and talk a little bit about HIV. Remember, he wasn't talking about HIV very much at all at the time. Right. That a very right. wise person who became a very good friend of mine, who had actually been in the Nixon White House for about five or six years, he gave me um, a, a advice, as it were, that I hope and I think I would have thought about this anyway, even if he didn't, but he really confirmed it. He said, whenever you walk into the White House, to brief the president or people at the higher level. Tell yourself that this may be the last time I'm ever gonna do this. Because if you go into it feeling you wanna get asked back because it's such a you know, haughty and, and, and heady experience to go into the White House, you may wind up hesitant to tell the president something that he might not wanna hear, namely a truth but a truth that's inconvenient for him. So you've always got to stick by the facts, stick by the truth, and don't ever veer from that, even if it means you're not going to get asked back again. And I've lived by that, and I've gotten asked back for seven presidents, so it seems to have worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you really want to maintain that, that leadership capability, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be based fundamentally on fact, and you've got to really live by example. You know, and I, I think the example of what you do, your fairness, your consistency, is what people look for when they look for leaders. They don't like inconsistencies. You've got to articulate what your goals are. I mean, you know, as the director of the Institute, one of the things I pride myself as the director of NIAID is that there is no doubt in anybody's mind what my goals are, what my vision is. If you want to be a leader, you can't have a leader where people don't even know where the leader is going. Like, what direction is this person going? Right. You've really got to be very articulate in saying, this is the institution I'm the leader of. 
this is where we want to go. These are the principles upon which we're going to operate. So we've all got to be pulling together to get to the common goal. That's what people really want in a leader. They don't want vagueness. They don't want inconsistencies. I mean, also in their physicians too, right? The general public looks for similar characteristics Absolutely. in their physicians. Absolutely. Well said, doctor. You know, and yet um, in our membership and our constituency overall, a couple of the White House physicians are continuing to be members. And uh, I have had the privilege of going into the White House uh, a couple of times. And uh, I remember uh, meeting President Obama very briefly at one moment. But what I took away and as I watched him move through the rest, uh, as he moved towards one of his uh, more important meetings in mind, was the humility that he demonstrated with all of the support staff. So that courage, that focus, that strategic direction that you provide people, I think is very important, but that underpinning of humility, at least in my opinion. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, uh, th that is a quality that I've seen in, in, in many presidents, but certainly President Obama had that. Uh, he's a brilliant mind, usually the smartest person in the room, but he never acted that way. He always wanted to hear what people had to say. Yeah. Well, and you yourself, sir, have been demonstrating that humility to the nation and to the rest of the world through this entire time. And, you know, last year was uh, complicated with uh, a different administration. It's perhaps a little bit simpler this time, but yet we're still dealing with this incredible pandemic that's challenging us in so, so many ways. So we very much look forward to your ongoing leadership. Uh, very much appreciate your spending some time with us today and for that combination of pearls on the pandemic, but also your pearls on leadership. So thank you so much for your time today and uh, very much appreciate it and the best of luck as we all continue to do our best to manage this pandemic. Uh, thank you very much, Peter. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My guests have been Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Peter Angood. Thank you so much for being on Sound Practice. Dr. Angood, for obvious and correct reasons, we spend a lot of time talking about COVID-19 and the, and the, and the global pandemic. Uh, but speaking for myself, I would like to look forward to a day when that has uh, passed and is not front and center. And I'm interested in what the AAPL is looking forward to and what kind of initiatives it may have in the future. Can you tell yeah, us no, about thanks. something like yeah. along those lines? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, all of us uh, in healthcare, and actually all of us in general, are still preoccupied with the with the pandemic. And as you heard uh, from Dr. Fauci, you know it, we're a ways away from being out of the pandemic as well. There's a lot more that needs to be done with uh, monitoring the variants. There's vaccination strategies, masking strategies. That's a global thing. So even if the uh, United States still gets ahead of everyone else, it's still gonna be around for some, some time yet. But as we look uh, out towards uh, sort of the near future and, and beyond that, as the pandemic uh, either subsides or just becomes a better part of, uh, not a better part, but a part of our lives in general, um, where we're headed is one, sir, still continue to look after the physician workforce as best we can, uh, continue to help uh, delivery organizations in different ways uh, as best we can. 
expand the sphere of influence that we have in terms of thought leadership and being able to integrate with other elements of the industry further. But then um, we also need to get back to looking at interprofessional leadership. Uh, multi-profession team-based care is here, it's here to stay, it's not going anywhere. And we are a beautifully placed organization to really branch further into interprofessional leadership. Uh, we've done some of that already. Uh, some of our clients have as many as 20 or 25% of the participants are non-physicians. So that's an important area for us to continue to focus upon. As we said a few minutes ago, internationally, got to get out there further and farther. Uh, so there's lots to happen there. And then as well, um, we're, we're thinking of how do we look at other leadership programs that might be out there already existing and how would we provide some sort of um, endorsement of those leadership programs? Uh, I think we're well placed with our 45 plus year legacy in order to offer that. Uh, we don't have to accredit them, but uh, you know what we do uh, in terms of the expertise of uh, doing leadership, uh, I think we're well placed to do some endorsement strategies around those other existing programs. So. Yeah, so there's lots more to do. And obviously just keep doing what we've been doing better and better and refining and, and just uh, improving the quality. That's a never ending process overall. Well, it certainly seems like nothing like a pandemic calls for leadership, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. been, a, it's been a difficult time for the yeah. medical profession. Yeah. And AAPL, I think, has been leading the way in, in, in helping members and the, the medical community go hand-to-hand -hand combat with this. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for uh, to Dr. Tony Fauci for, for his time yeah. on yeah, speaking absolutely. on leadership, but it's something that is greatly needed and not talked about enough in the general press. So thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity and thanks for working with us uh, and Dr. Fauci. I thought it was a wonderful uh, set of contributions that he made and our conversation here uh, is, as well has been very helpful and informative to me. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Many thanks to Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Peter Angood for this sound practice episode covering physician leadership during a pandemic. And thanks to the American Association for Physician Leadership for making sound practice possible. I'm your host, Mike Sakopoulos. I hope you join us again on Sound Practice. Bada bing, bada boom. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org.